Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, if you are looking for Emily and the Boss Up Podcast, don't you worry, you're in the right place. My name is Jessica and I am taking over Boss Up today. Emily and her team felt like it was really important right now to hear from Black women. And you can't see me, but I am a Black woman. So I'm taking over the pod today and I'm going to, in a second, tell you a little bit about me, but I'm going to spend some time talking about organizational development and equity and inclusion and unconscious bias. So first, as I mentioned, my name is Jessica. I am on the Boss Up Trainer team and I'm a nonprofit professional who also is a consultant. I founded a company called Sharp Brain Consulting and I work with organizations, primarily nonprofits and educational organizations. And I educate them about brain-based leadership. You will hear a lot about the brain over the next few minutes. So get ready for that. So I want to tell you kind of how I came into this journey around race specifically. So I grew up in a, you know, primarily middle to upper class household. And I've already told you that I'm black. And my dad grew up in really extreme poverty in a small town in Alabama. There's really no one like him. He's incredibly ambitious, incredibly smart and hardworking. And so he went through this phase of time where he got promoted what to me as a child felt like every single year. And so he moved up the income ladder, what felt like to me really, really quickly. And for a variety of reasons, and partly because of systems and that they are not inherently equitable. I spent a lot of time around white folks in terms of the neighborhoods that we lived in. And oftentimes, you know, when I looked around in my, you know, AP and honors classes, I was with, you know, a more white people, which is a separate kind of conversation about how infuriating that is to me, but that's where it is. So I'm going to be honest for really most of my adolescence and even a little bit into college, I understood that race was a thing, right? But I only really had one experience personally where I kind of grappled with, with a situation that I felt like I was being treated differently because of my race. And I didn't understand how race was embedded into every single system. So fast forward to post-college, I did Teach for America, where I worked with a Title I school. And then I moved back to where I live now in the upper part of South Carolina. And I continued to work with low-income and marginalized communities. And I continued to work with teenagers. And I kind of can't even necessarily tell you what the like thing was that made it everything change. But all of a sudden, I just started to look at systems differently. And I started to learn and, and I watched movies and read books and, and realized, y'all, we have a lot of systems that at the beginning of this journey, I called them broken. I used to specifically call the criminal justice system broken, but it's not. Systems like the criminal justice system are operating exactly, unfortunately, how they are supposed to be operating. And they are inherently inequitable. 
And so we are now seeing when we turn on the news, we are seeing the product of inequitable systems. And for me, I do consulting work. I work in nonprofit in that space because I, to my core, believe that we can no longer accept, and we really probably shouldn't have ever, but we can no longer accept inequitable systems. And we have to demand justice in every single thing that we do. So I'm going to talk for a few minutes about organizations and specifically about racial justice, equity, and social justice within organizational spaces. So as I mentioned, I worked primarily with educational systems as well as with nonprofits. But the information that I'm going to share with you is important and applicable to any organization, regardless of the type. So in the past, gosh, week, honestly, I have gotten a lot of messages because I do, I used to explicitly do diversity and inclusion work. And every single thing that I do is rooted in the brain. I didn't mention in my bio, but I have a master's in nonprofit, a master's of public affairs, and I am about halfway through a doctoral program in organizational development with an emphasis in neuroscience. So I am kind of the brain guru and I have a complete and utter love affair with the brain. And so folks who know me and who know that I do this work and also, you know, know that I'm a black woman and that I'm struggling with all of the emotions associated with this time have come to me and one said, I'm thinking about you. I'm here for you. You know, I know that this is a hard time. So they've done that, which I really appreciate. But what they've also done is come to me and say, should I talk about this in my organization? If so, what in the world do I say? And they said, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do, but I can't sit on my hands. I cannot avoid action. I don't know what it is and I need help, but I got to do something. And one of the things that I was asked very recently is, should I have this conversation in the workplace? And if so, why? And what I said is, you have to have these conversations in the workplace. We have to have conversations around race, equity and inclusion in our workplaces, whether you are a corporate entity, a bank, a retail outlet. I mean, no matter what your business is, you need to have these conversations for the following reasons. One, if we don't have the conversations, we will not reach equity in our organizations. Why is that a bad thing? So research overwhelmingly tells us that diversity within organizations, specifically within leadership and organizations, makes companies more profitable. And any company outside of nonprofit wants to make more money. And even within the nonprofit sector, we want to be as efficient and effective so that we can best serve our clients and our consumers, whoever those people may be. So diversity makes you more money, right? So that's first off, that's kind of the good thing and the argument, the business case, if you will, for diversity and inclusion. Additionally, the world is becoming more diverse. So specifically within the U.S., there's some research that says that by 2040, so in 20 years, the U.S. will have flipped and we will no longer be a a nation that is mostly white. We will be a minority majority country. And so we will be in a place where minorities will essentially have more control in terms of their buying power and organizations will no longer be able to ignore either explicitly or implicitly communities of color and marginalized communities, because again, it will hit their bottom line. And so organizations have to care about this group, whether they quite frankly want to or not, because we will impact their bottom line. Finally, we cannot achieve social justice in our communities if organizations and companies are not doing better and not demanding more from one themselves 
from each other, whoever those other businesses are, and from those in government. So whether that's the police officers, whether that's, you know, your city, your county council, whether that's your state, you know, elected officials, we all need to do better internally and individually within our organizations, but we also have to demand more. And I am not naive enough to believe that the latter is enough for everybody. I know, thankfully, a lot of people for whom the latter is enough, that they say people of color and specifically Black people, and even more specifically Black men, deserve more and they deserve better. And that for a lot of people I know is enough. There's no other reason for them to do this work other than they are tired of seeing communities be mistreated and they are tired of seeing black men and women being murdered on camera, oftentimes by people who we entrust with our safety. But I am not naive enough to believe that for everyone that is enough. So for the folks for whom it is not enough, we got to get them on this bandwagon and we got to get them on this ship in whatever way we need to, because we got to get them on the ship. We can't keep ignoring this and we cannot keep not talking about it. So that's first why it's important. So now that you understand, or if you already knew why it's important, what are you going to do? So I'm going to give you three points of things that you can do within your organization and within yourself personally that will impact you and your organization. And just know that there are a few times I'm going to reference links and don't worry, they're in the show notes. So first, this is really specifically looking at leadership within organizations and HR staff, but this also can include other staff people. And I'll tell you why in just a second. So we've got to look at how we hire how we promote within our organizations, and how we manage performance reviews. So first, we can't have more Black folks and people of color if we don't hire them, right? That starts with how we advertise, where we're advertising, what our recruitment practices look like for our organizations. You've got to make sure you have a diverse pool because you can't hire diverse people. And and specifically in this context, I'm going to talk about Black people if your pool isn't diverse to the people that you're picking from. Next, how do you manage promotion within your organization? Is there some sort of policy? Is there some sort of best practice? Do you have leadership development programs? Do you have pipeline programs? If so, are people of color, are Black people within those programs? You know, how do you manage those things and who is missing from those conversations and who's missing from essentially the pool for which you promote from? And finally, how are we managing performance reviews? What is the policy around that? What are the best practices? How do we ensure equity within that process? So there's research regarding women, but my research journey makes me believe that the same is also true for minorities. So for men who manage women, sometimes they are less critical on their performance review. And why that is a bad thing is because they are not pushing their employees and challenging them and having high expectations for them. So if there's an area that an employee should improve on or shift on or get some sort of education on, if they don't know it and their supervisor isn't pushing or challenging them, they may miss that. And the next time when it, when we talk about who we're going to promote and we say, well, this employee, XYZ employee who is a woman or who's a black person is missing this really critical skill, but the people around them haven't pushed them in the same way that they potentially have other employees, they will be missing. So we need to make sure that those process are equitable. So if you're in leadership or HR, you can take the lead on that. If you are not in leadership or HR within a company, you can ask questions and you can say, hey, I have some questions about our hiring and promotion practices. Are they equitable? Can we talk about what that process looks like? 
Next is, do you have any sort of diversity related trainings within your organization or does your organization encourage you and often quite frankly pay for you to go to diversity related training sessions that are external to your walls? Education is critical. I don't know how we get better in this if we don't know what the issues are, if we don't know how to fix them. I mean, that's the question I get from a lot of people is I don't know what to do. And for some people, again, I'm not naive enough to believe that they don't understand the depth and gravity of this issue of race. So we have to educate people. We just have to. And so diversity trainings can help to do that. The training that I'm going to recommend is an unconscious bias training. That training is going to get to what I believe is the heart of a lot of our racial inequities and a lot of our systemic issues. All of us have bias. So don't say, well, I'm a good person, so I don't have bias. You have a brain, so therefore you have bias. Inherently, it's actually a way to help us process information and to help keep us safe. So inherently, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. When it becomes a bad thing is when you begin to make decisions from a place of bias, right? When we start to make decisions from a place of bias, it can hold groups of people down, but we have no idea because our biases are unconscious. So I'm going to encourage that training first or at a minimum have that in your kind of portfolio of trainings. So there is some research that suggests that some diversity trainings aren't effective for one reason or another. So I'm also going to encourage you as you begin to implement diversity trainings at your workplace or ask questions about the diversity trainings at your workplace, I'm going to encourage you to work with someone who's done this type of work before and who can really make sure that your trainings are effective. Finally, I'm going to ask you to take the Harvard Implicit Association Test. And don't worry, that link is in the show notes. You can just click on that link. This is a really great introduction to bias. So Harvard and some of their researchers created this assessment, and it's a pretty quick online assessment. And essentially, it measures your reaction times. That's the the kind of the best way that from a research perspective and from a a brain-based research perspective that we have to test things like bias. And it's pretty quick online assessment and they've got several different categories, but I'm going to encourage you at a minimum to take the one on race. And it doesn't pop out and say, hey, you have a bias against black men. But what it does say is you have a preference for. So you have a preference for white women. You have a preference for white men. And so really, it's again, it's an introduction when they push that out to you. They're going to also give you some resources. But what I'm going to recommend is first take that assessment so that you get a really good introduction. And then next, I want you to watch a few TED Talks that are referenced again in the show notes on my website. I have, I have a whole page of equity resources and I add things as I learn about them. But there are two TED Talks that I show often that are really good in terms of unconscious bias. So one of them is Verna Myers, and she talks about walking boldly towards your biases. And the title of the other one, is what does my headscarf mean to you? They're both great. And so again, what I'd recommend is taking the assessment and then watching one of those TED Talks so that you can get a little bit more information about bias. Because again, that's just a really great introduction. So again, just kind of in summary, talk about this at work, talk about it at home. I mean, talk about these issues of race, equity, social justice, inclusion. Look at, in terms of organizational practices, look at how you hire, promote, look at your performance review policies. You know, try to make sure that you have equity at the core of those things. Make sure that you either have some diversity related trainings embedded in your organization or your organization has partnered with someone else to make those trainings easily accessible for you. And then finally, take the Harvard 
Harvard implicit association test, and then hopefully listen to a few of those TED Talks afterwards to get a really good kind of introduction to unconscious bias. So as I mentioned, I do this work. So I am available for hire. I have an unconscious bias training that I do for organizations that I'm really proud of. It is based in science. It's based in data. And it talks about very practical ways to mitigate your bias in terms of your actions and decision making. And then I also do diversity kind of related audits. And I I help with diversity messaging, that sort of thing. And because hashtag COVID, I can do all those things via Zoom. So you can find me um, in all kinds of places. I'd love to continue this conversation. I'd love to hear from you. I would love to, you know, learn your thoughts, your opinions, you know, answer any questions you have. This work is really, really, really important to me. And I'm really passionate about it. So I'm happy to take this conversation offline. But you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Sharp, J-E-S, Sharp with no E on the end. S-H-A-R-P-J-E-S. And you can find my business on Facebook or Instagram at Sharp Brain Consulting. And you can also head to my website, which is linked in the show notes, and it is www.sharpbrainconsulting.com. So like I said, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have this conversation. And my sincere hope is that you kind of take some time to, to listen to others, to be empathetic, to have really bold and courageous conversations, because those are necessary in order for us to move forward. So I hope to hear from some of y'all soon. 